Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. No, I loved it. I just thought it was so incredible. And I, I want to honor it because it's not easy. Not everybody gets up here. Uh, I've been doing this for a minute, so it's a little different for me. Uh, but, you know, uh, I just think it's really cool that she would take the time with all the things that she does. The one thing I don't think everybody always knows about Pastor Meredith is that when I make a decision, it's really her having made the decision. And uh, there's a lot of unseen things that she does, that she deals with, and she walks through with people and walks through with me um, every single week. And uh, I can't, there's no chance this church is what it is without her. So could you honor her for a minute? Because she deserves it more uh, than she always gets it. And so... I, I don't think just because she preached, all of a sudden she's a pastor. She's been a pastor, y'all. Uh, it, you don't have to be up here with a mic. I know a lot of people who preach who don't know how to pastor. Uh, and she pastors. And she gets up here, and then she preaches. I'd much rather that um, than the other way around. And some of y'all are like, yeah, Brandon. Um, all right, turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We are in Easter time. Jesus is still risen. It is still Easter. It is not just a day. It is not just a weekend. It is on the church calendar a season because what follows Jesus' resurrection is him living his resurrection. So he spends a little over a month or so uh, hanging out with his disciples, appearing to different groups of people. You see Paul's recollection of that in his letters that Jesus shows up. And begins to work these things through. So Thomas, right, doubting Thomas, we've talked about that. Uh, we talked about the disciples, which we'll actually rehash a little bit here. And so Jesus comes back, and all the disciples are pretty excited about this, of course, right? They thought everything was over and done. We called this series After Midnight for that reason. What happens when Jesus is working while you're worrying? And how do we begin to live with the horizon even when we're still sitting in the dark? Because Jesus was rolling the stone away, walking through the garden, while the disciples were flipping out on the Sabbath, worried and anxious, maybe sleepless. Maybe they hadn't slept in a while. Mary runs to the grave. Why? Because she's looking for the Savior. She's only going to mourn. She doesn't expect to find a risen Savior. And what does she find? An empty grave. And so Jesus, even when we don't feel it, see it, you're working. Even when I don't. Okay, sorry. And so I live through song. I am a walking, living, breathing musical. And um, my wife loves it. And so, the, so this is Jesus working. And I, I did this conversation that we'll put out this week, and I highly recommend it, with Pastor Simon McIntyre, uh, who oversees C3 Americas. Uh, we're part of a global movement of churches, if you don't know that. And, uh, and he, has, he has been in ministry now for 30 years, part of the same group of people, same group of friends. One of the things I love about C3 is that the executive leadership at the global level has, has just never left each other, even through difficult seasons. They just have never left each other. They're friends even when it's hard. And Pastor Simon has overseen Europe, has also pastored a local church at the same time. He's been on the executive board of C3 Sydney in Oxford Falls. He's, he's done it all. And he's really, really sarcastic. The best, the first time I ever met him was doing a bobblehead Jesus at the conference I went to. And, um, and I'm pretty sure, he, I thought he was going to get struck down. Uh, there were a lot of things said at that conference that I thought you couldn't say at a conference. And man, the freedom. Um, and so we did, I did a quick interview with him, about 45 minutes. 
uh, about this after midnight theme and talking about how to walk through different difficult things. Uh, he had a major uh, heart attack, a triple bypass surgery. He lost his first wife to cancer. He has been through some things. So this is not just a guy saying whatever he wants to say. He's been through some things and has stayed faithful to the church, stayed faithful to people, stayed faithful to ministry through it all. And so I, I want to highly encourage you. You guys are going to be really, really encouraged by that. So we'll put that out uh, this week as we wrap up this season of Easter time. Luke chapter 24, verse 36, and uh, let's read through some of what we read through a few weeks ago as we talked through the, the disciples who, just like Doubting Thomas, had their questions about Jesus' resurrection. We just give Thomas a bad name. Luke 24, verse 36, going through verse 53. So we'll read a few verses here. And as they were saying these things, he himself stood among them, that being Jesus. He said to them, peace to you, because every time Jesus showed up, Post-resurrection, he said peace, because the gospel is a gospel of peace, wholeness, completeness. He has finished the work. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled, he asked them. Are you guys starting to remember this message? Or maybe you didn't like it that much. And why do doubts arise in your hearts? To me, that speaks to the idea that most of our doubts arise from offense and hurt. Now, doubts are not bad. They're not evil. They're not wrong. They should not be condemned. They are a place to walk through. Again, that's kind of what we talk about with Pastor Simon, so I'll leave it to that. You guys will watch that. We'll upload it to YouTube, Instagram, all the good stuff. Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I, it is me. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see, I have. I'm not Casper. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still amazed and unbelieving because of their joy, while they were still amazed and unbelieving because of their joy, he asked them, do you have something to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, leftovers, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Again, just proving that he was actually there. He wasn't just appearing. He wasn't a hologram. He wasn't a ghost. He was in their presence. And then he told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. I want to just touch on this. Starting in June, June through the end of July, maybe a little bit into August, but mostly June and July, we're starting a series called Our Summer in the Psalms. We're going to spend about eight weeks or so talking through the Psalms because it is a much better book than just one you need to flip to whenever you're having a bad day. There is so much richness in the Psalms, including what the Psalms really is, which is a book of poetry, song, and prayer. And it was written for people before the temple was built and after the temple was destroyed. It was written for a people who saw it and also a people longing for it. And so there's, a, there's something about the Psalms. The reason it resonates with us is because it is us desiring and longing for the very same thing that thousands of years ago others were longing for. And so we're going to spend a few weeks in that. So you see Jesus reference, uh, reference the Psalms here. Must be fulfilled. So he talks about the prophets, he talks about the law of Moses, talks about the Psalms. I am the greatest fulfillment. I am the fulfillment of these things. I am a more perfect picture of anything those things could offer to you. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. It is wild to watch as Jesus shows up after his resurrection and how much of his revelation to his disciples and those around him was through a meal. We, we do dinner parties because we believe that through a meal and through a dinner and through time around the table, we begin to see things differently. The issue in our world is not that we need more bigger gatherings. It's that we need more tables filled. 
I believe that will lead to bigger gatherings 100%. But I absolutely believe the answer to the, the, the social ills that we see, to the answer to the frustrations that we walk through, the answer to the hurt and the pain that we deal with is around the table. We all need some friends. We all, and quite frankly, we all need some strangers. Truly. One of the worst things the church can do is just have friends and no strangers. That might be one of the best things I've ever said in church. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Okay. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you. This is key. This is the... Um, Kind of the precursors. This is the statement that says, hey, the Pentecost is, com- is coming. Now, Pentecost would have already come as a festival and as a time of remembrance. Uh, but what happened on the day of Pentecost when, when this happens, post this statement, changes everything. And look, I'm sending you what the Father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered, empowered from on high. Empowered, not just comforted, um, not, just, uh, not just got like the butterflies in the stomach, not just, but empowered, okay? The Holy Spirit does a lot more than we tend to give him credit for. The person of the Holy Spirit does far more. We're going to talk about that over the next couple weeks prior to launching our series in the Psalms. Uh, but, but he does so much more to the Holy Spirit than we tend to give credit to. And we tend to make it, either, in some churches, we make it all about the gifts and never about the character. In other words, fruit. We make, sometimes churches, we make it only about the fruit, and we never operate in the gifts. Oh, and then let me just let you know, it's not just fruit and gifts. There's comfort, right? There's leading. There's all kinds of things. That the Holy Spirit is the seal on your life of whose you are. I mean, the Holy Spirit is, listen, this is what Jesus says. He would be my what? Advocate. One who looks just like me. In you. Jesus didn't just do fruits and gifts. Jesus did meals. Jesus walked streets. Jesus lived empowered. So we are to live in So Jesus kind of puts this statement out there. And I'm sure there's at some level these guys are going, yeah, that's all great. You ever been in such a good moment that someone's talking to you, telling you about the moment, but you're so overwhelmed by the moment that you're not really listening to what they're saying. You're just kind of giving a head nod and like, that's great, awesome, cool. But you got to remember what just happened here. Jesus shows up, kind of just appears in the room, doesn't use the door kind of flossing a little bit. He's just flaunting a little bit about who he is, right? Shows up in the middle of the room, grabs a fish, says, let me have some fish. And while he's eating, the law and the prophets had to be fulfilled. And then he says, don't leave because I'm sending you what I promised you. And I'm sure at some point the disciples are just checking out because all they can notice is that this dude that died is now sitting in their house eating fish. There's got to be a little bit of like, I hear what you're saying, I don't hear what you're saying. Come on, anybody? Anybody know that feeling? I, I hear you, but I don't hear you. And I don't know what you're saying, I don't get it. So Jesus just keeps eating. And they're a little bit like overcome with the moment. They're a little bit thrown off by the fact that here is Jesus. 
Then he led them out as far as Bethany. In Acts, we see that it's the Mount of Olives. And we see this is a place where Jesus suffered his most, the highest moment of rejection in his life. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. So again, the disciples are just going along with this. All right, yeah, we'll follow you wherever you want to go, man. You came back. You're here. How awesome. I'm just so excited that you would do that. I mean, it's really great. It's really, really great. I don't know what words you use to describe a resurrection when you've watched a resurrection happen, but I'm sure that you just kind of run out of words. And so you just go wherever Jesus walks out the house, and you go, okay, let's go. I mean, I guess we can go now. We're not scared anymore. Like, they killed him, and he's back, so we'll be fine. But let me tell you something. That kind of is it. They killed him. He didn't stay dead. What are they going to do to you? When I die with Christ, and I rise with Christ, what can you do to me? Why does Paul take lashes? Why do the disciples love him unto death? What, why? Because what are you going to do to me? I just watched him die and rise. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I, how do you argue with that? How do you, how do you shut that down? Well, living's good, dying's good too. Okay, I guess you win. I mean, this is kind of the idea. This is what it is to follow Jesus, is to know that even in death, I'm alive. That even in suffering, I have joy. That even in difficulty, his yoke is easy, his burden is light, because Jesus is alive. So they follow him out to Bethany. They just kind of walk with Jesus. And he lifts up his hands, and he blesses them. Isn't that interesting? I, I, I want to remind you that um, blessing always comes through us, not just to us. He lifts up his hands. He does the same thing with the five loaves and two fish. He lifts it up. The, the, I just think we do such a disservice to our faith when we think it is only love him with our mind and heart and not body. That our posture in life matters. That our posture when we gather together as the saints matters. Why do we tell you to lift your hands? Because Jesus did it. Jesus understood how the biology of us, the, the, the way we are wired, is that this and this and this all work together. So he lifts up his hands, begins to bless them. That's what priests would do when they would bless the people. They would lift up their hands. He begins to bless them. And it's not just a bless you child. It's not just, oh, God bless you. You, are, you do not understand, little girl or little boy. You don't get it. No, it's not the little grandma blessing. It's not that. It is he is blessing his disciples. He is giving them what they need. He is praying over them as a high priest would pray over his people. I, I am blessing you. And what comes from me is different than anything that could come from I'm blessing them. And he lifts his hands. Now, I want you to remember that posture. I want you to remember that place because what we find throughout the rest of Scripture is that that posture never really changes. That posture towards his people never really changes. When you see him described in other places by the Apostle Paul, the posture of Jesus as a, as a praying Savior, as a praying King, as an interceding one, never really changes. And so Jesus, as he, this is the part I, I, just, I just, he doesn't say amen. He doesn't end it and then do something. Watch what happens. And while he was blessing them, he left them. 
It's kind of, and I'm sure they're kind of going, not again. It's been a month. I thought we were going to at least another three years before you did something like that. All of a sudden, Jesus does some David Blaine stuff. We, ooh. I mean, there was a moment where I thought he was that anti-thing, you know? Like, I thought, whoa. Have you seen his specials? Anyways, Jesus does the, you know, Jesus does the little levitating thing, right? Just a little trick. Jesus does this thing, and all of a sudden, he, he's blessing them, and while he's blessing them, praying over them, hands raised, he, he begins to leave them. Now, we're not just talking about, like, like walking away. Like, I'm just you guys stay there. There is this, there's this physical thing. Now, there's a distinction between Jesus just appearing, reappearing like he did to the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, like he just did in the house when he just kind of showed up in the room. It's not one of those things. It is, it's kind of an Elijah-type moment where, where, where he is being lifted into the heavens. And it's something that the church would call the ascension, the ascension of Christ, the ascension of Jesus. So, uh, And in Paul, Paul talks about this later in, in his book to the Ephesians. We're going to read it in a moment. The ascension was just as much a part of faith as the death, burial, and resurrection. How many of you have ever, have ever bought an ascension card and handed it to anybody? You can get one for Easter and Christmas and all the other things. You don't ever get an ascension card. But the reality is that the ascension of Christ ascending into the heavens is just as critical to our faith and our application of walking in Christ as any other event that Jesus did. In fact, it's the last thing he did in his physical form. It's the last thing he did on the earth. Jesus ascends into the heavens. I know. I get it. It's kind of weird. Like, how do you explain this? And there's some there's really important pieces of this that we have to understand if we're going to fully understand what it is to live in Christ. It says, and while he was blessing them, okay, he left them and was carried up into heaven. Carried up into heaven. So this is not him just reappearing, appearing. This is him quite literally in physical form being lifted into heaven. It happened twice in the Old Testament, and then Jesus does it. And it's the last time we hear it. Jesus does it, and we're, and we're kind of going, okay, what is happening? So while it might be the last thing he does on the earth, it's also one of the more curious things. And, and for many, it's still a hard thing to explain. Like, what's the significance of Jesus ascending? It's like one of those verses we, we read through we don't really preach about. Right? You always read Acts 1, and he says, hey, you know, go and, 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 and wait and don't leave because I'm going to give you something. And then we read real fast through that part where he's like, and then he ascended. We like we read past that because we don't really want to explain that part. Like, what does this mean? What does it mean that Jesus would rise quite literally, in front of the disciples, into heaven. Now, it doesn't say into the atmosphere. And, you know, we, if you really do the science of trying to get beyond the earth into the heavens out there, you, you know, he's going to be traveling pretty fast on some clouds. Okay, some light year speed. That's not really what we might be talking about here. We're talking about something that we probably won't fully understand uh, until we get there. But the reality of heaven, heaven as a place, heaven and earth intersect where you and I live. We are now the temple, the body of Christ. The, 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 The heaven and earth intersect where we are. It used to be a place. It used to be something called the tabernacle. And then the temple veil was torn in two when Jesus was crucified. And then you and I become the living temple where heaven and earth meet. 
So how does heaven invade earth? You and me. That's how it happens. It, it, it's not limited to this, although it includes this. So Jesus is carried up into the heavens. Something we call the ascension. In other words, he was risen and then risen again. He rose so that he could rise. There was something significant about him doing something in that moment. He said, hey, I'm going to give you what I promised you. Now I'm on my way out. I'm blessing you and I'm leaving you. And it's a hard thing to realize because right, Pastor Mary talked about abiding in him. How do we abide in you if you're ascending? How do we abide in you if you're leaving? How do we stay in you if you are not here? And the reality of, of Jesus and faith is this, that if Jesus had not ascended into the heavens, then we would still be looking for him in different parts of the earth. In other words, we would get postcards or news reports or Twitter feeds about what Jesus is doing in that place and that place, and then he traveled to that place, or we can do it the way he had ordained it to happen, and he would ascend, and he would send the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't leave us. He moved. He changed his place so that he could send you the Holy Spirit. Here's an interesting thought. Is it possible that through the Holy Spirit, you and I can know Jesus to the same degree, if not more, than the disciples did who walked the earth with him? We often are like, man, if only I had seen Jesus do that. If only I had seen Jesus do that or heard Jesus preach that sermon, I'm sure I would have tweeted it and given him credit for it. I know I would have. I would have seen it. I would Snapchat, I don't even know if people still do that. I've never really understood Snapchat. Um, and I, snap things and chat about them. I don't know. And so I, you Instagram, whatever you Facebook people do. And I'm sure we would have given it. And we always tend to think if only we had. But we do have. But we do have. Do, do we think Jesus left so that we would be on our own or Jesus left so that he, we would have more of him? See, Jesus, when he was here, was limited by the physical form in which he existed. And many theologians will tell you that he still has that physical form sitting at the right hand of the Father in authority. Because ascension was not about uh, leaving or his absence. It was about his ascendancy. Ascension is not just a move in place, but a move in promotion. When you go from the floor up onto the throne, you have simply moved to a place, but that's not all that happened. When you sit and you, you turn and you sit on the throne, what happens? Who you are to everybody else changes drastically. So what we're not talking about here is just this physical move. We are absolutely talking about a place in time that changed who he was to all of us. And what was once limited, while he gave us a snippet, and, and, and if, if you begin to really, really understand the ascension, what you begin to understand is that what Jesus did while he lived here was show us to, what to do while we live here. That his ascension was, I'm going to be with the Father to intercede, hands raised, blessing you as my creation, right? I'll never change this posture towards you. I'd incline my ear to you, right? It's all of those things. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Once I get there, I'm sending him. He's going to be here 10 days. Just give me 10 days to get that arranged. 
Ascension would have been Thursday. You got 10 days, and then Pentecost happens, and there's this thing that happens in them. And so I want, I want to give you a couple ideas about what, what changes here, what happens in the Ascension. Number one is the completion. This marked the completion of Jesus' ministry on the earth, at least in the form that he had. It changed the, the, the he was ending something so he could begin something. We, we don't always like endings, but you often need death to get resurrection. You need endings to get beginnings. And I know that's not always easy. I'm sure the disciples at some level were going, why are you going? Why are you taking off? Well, because I'm about to initiate the new thing. As the Spirit hovers over the earth, here I am. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to initiate the new creation. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit that you might begin to live empowered people so that heaven could be on earth, so that you could recreate the garden city of God on the earth, that people would know the good and pleasing will of God. Jesus is ascending so that he could show that he had completed the work. And I just mentioned this. It's also that he, that he would be coronated, that he would have a promotion. That there, and I know we don't always think this way about Jesus, but he, he, was, he was showing people in that moment that I am above it all. I want you to think about this because we're going to read how the disciples reacted in just a minute. Jesus, physical form, not just disappears, doesn't just go away. He rises and in a very, very real, literal sense of the word, shows how he is above all things. He is above all. Nothing can touch him now. Nothing on this earth is going to change who he is. Nothing on this earth can touch his mercy and his grace for you. Nothing on this earth can destroy his authority over the earth. This is Jesus. He reigns whether or not the earth wants him to. He reigns whether or not the earth decides he will. The governments of the earth are going to recognize the King Jesus because he is above it all. He is not deterred by any of it. He is not hurt by it. It is how we see him ascended because as we lift up Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works best when Jesus is exalted. And then the last one, I couldn't come up with a good word for this. I'm sure some of you guys could. I'll listen to my ling linguistics show on NPR later this week. Hopefully they address it. But it, it's his distribution, that he would, he would be spread and shared throughout the earth. So now Jesus, he is, he is, he is coronated as king. He has, he, has, he has completed his work. It is now time for the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And when he rose above it all, like the bread and the fish being split, he begins to enter into you and I. And now he is not limited by a place. He is empowered in a people. And you and I, like Jesus on the earth, walk through our streets, walk through our neighborhoods, walk through our workplaces. We bring grace and love and Jesus with us. Watch what happens next. Verse 52. I just, I find this, I find this really interesting because when Jesus was crucified, they mourned. When Jesus died, they thought it was over and finished. 
They thought he had left them. You taught us all these things, and now you're gone? What is that? Set us up for failure. And then Jesus leads him out to Bethany, says, I'm going to bless you. I'm still blessing you, even as I'm leaving. He's not leaving. He's just moving. He's still with us, just in a different way. And he ascends to heaven. And while that's happening, what is the response of the disciples? Not mourning, not worrying, not anxiety, not discouragement, not, oh my God, what is going to happen now? No, what happens? After worshiping him. Now here's what, that word does not mean singing a song. That word doesn't necessarily just mean a heart thing. That word quite literally means posture. It means laid out before the Lord. It means I, it means there's a group of disciples who on some random mountain watch Jesus ascend and they hit the floor. Oh, I mean, after the resurrection thing, whatever he says, I'm in. He's leaving, but he said he's sending. He's going, but he says he's coming. He left, but he's closer than ever before. He's gone into the heavens, but he has brought the heavens to earth inside this temple, my human body. He's not further. He's closer. He's not gone. He's here. And something about being in that moment, watching Jesus complete his work, be coronated as king, and begin to disperse the spirit of God into the earth, brought them to their faces, and they worshiped the king. See, we don't come in here and give him something. We give him everything. We don't come in here and go, well, that's cute. We say, that's all and everything and all of it I'm giving to you. We posture our hands in the air and we hit the, knee, the floor with our knees and we do all things not because he wants it from us, but because we want it for him. Because he deserves all the honor and all the praise and all the glory because he came and he died and he rose and then he went and he sent and he's interceding while the Holy Spirit is working. As we lift up Jesus, the Holy Spirit gets to work and I will return to my city with great joy because I've seen Jesus lifted up and as Jesus is lifted up, my life changes. My life becomes empowered. My life di is different. I am a new person, a cr new creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works because he never leaves me nor forsakes me because Jesus may have ascended. The Holy Spirit has descended, and we are working in perfect unity with the Trinity that we might see heaven on earth in our every single day. I told you the ascension was important. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. That's it. Jesus is king. Jesus is king in the Middle East. Amen? Jesus is king. All innocent people be saved. All people be, my goodness, all people be saved. Lord, bring peace where there needs to be peace. Not partisanship. Not some weird view of humanity that some are worth it and some aren't. Everyone breathes. So everyone's loved. God, I pray right now those who are, who are terrorists would find Jesus and find freedom. Those who have power would use it in the same grace you used yours. Would ride in on a donkey and not a horse. Come on, in the race relations and in the social injustice, I don't care where you stand. I care where he sits.
lifting hands, blessing all people. God, I want, I want you to be in me and in them and in every place I see. Jesus is our pattern. Holy Spirit creates our posture. And in every place God places us, we will be like Christ. Jesus. I want to read Paul's thing, and I want to finish with this. Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll be done. I just want to read this last part to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. It says this. Uh, actually, let's go with verse 20 just to get it down there a little bit more. He demonstrated his power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead, seating him at the right hand in the heavens. That's the ascension. Demonstrated power, kingship, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but in the age to come. He is king. And he put everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church. He is our fulfillment. He is our empowerment. He is all of it. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. The one who is in all things. The one who is in all things. Jesus is not separate. He is in the Holy Spirit, in all things present. He fills all things everywhere with himself. Lord, I thank you right now for your presence. I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you are alive. I thank you that you are interceding, hands raised, blessing your people. And God, you are sending your Holy Spirit into our life. You are working in our hearts. You are renewing our minds, and you are changing our posture. We do not walk into this week defeated. We do not walk into this week broken. And you are not dis uh, despising that. You are not looking at that as somehow we have failed. God, you're looking at that going, I came for the people who need a hospital. I came for the people who need to know that they are alive and well. I came for the people who are hurting and broken. In fact, you came for the people not just who are hurting and broken, the people who know they are. The people who know they are. God, I need you. I need you right now to pastor this church. I need you right now to lead in this city. I need you right now to love my family. I need you right now to be a good husband. I need you right now to, to, to raise up my kids, not with some weird ideology, but it, with a view of who Jesus is. I need you right now. I need you now here. And you are here because you went and you sent. Because you departed and imparted. Because you rose and then you rose again. You rose and you reigned. So God, I pray right now in every person, every heart, every life, right now in this place. Come on, just lift your hands. Just lift your hands. Lord, we pray right now, every person, as you ascend it, and in your ascension, Lord, let our anticipation grow for what you want to do in our life and through our life, that we would be empowered for Monday and Tuesday, and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday and Saturday, we would be empowered to live as heaven on earth, as Christ in the world, that we would know you are near and as near as you have ever been. You are with us. You have not left us. Thank you for ascending. Thank you. You are king. Let us coronate you in our lives.
Let us promote you in our life. You have finished the work in us. And you are now empowering us to live. I have to pray this. If you need to, if you want to receive Christ, if you want to walk in that, if you want to walk in forgiveness, if you want to walk in freedom, I mean, it is about receiving it. Just receiving it. Don't you pray this prayer in however you want to pray it. Lord, come. Lord, come, I give you my life. Lord, come, I give you my life. Just pray that however you want to pray it. Lord, come, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen.